<laughs> He's turning your freaking portrait mode off. It's ridiculous. <laughs> what? What's wrong with my portrait mode? Skype. The, Skype has a really bad imitation of portrait mode. Where it blurs your background and I'm enjoying it. Are you not liking it? Yeah. The tripod is like two feet behind your head. And it's as if you have like a 0.5 aperture. 0.5. I got a new Logic Noctis webcam. <laughs> so, so 0.4 <laughs> aperture. <laughs> What's in all the light? Welcome to episode 10 of the Correspondence Podcast. John, how are you doing this evening? I'm always amazing. How are you? <laughs> All right, a lot has transpired in both of our lives since our last recording of, of this podcast. Um, so first off, let's celebrate our 10th episode. Ooh, 10. Like for real. I mean, that's a big deal. That's legit. So I heard you want to start this episode with a follow-up. Uh, so I got uh, a couple people asking a little bit about our audio. So uh, there's a listener out there that he said, you know, I, I really enjoy the podcast and what you guys are talking about, but I think you should just spend the money and fly to see each other once a month um, because the audio sounds really terrible. Hmm. Uh, he was through episode seven at the time, and it would be very different if you were in the same room. Right. And I, I of course, thanked him for his feedback. I also reminded him that uh, we make zero dollars doing this. And although it's not a tough flight to Vegas, um, we we struggle to coordinate like a Wednesday. Yeah. So I feel like uh, flying out, that's not likely. No. Um, so I went and bought the mic stand. I told you that. Yeah. And the next week he goes, hey, so did you guys do that in the same room? Oh, wow. And I felt like we won last week or last episode. I'm telling you, last episode, I feel like I only gave you my local track. I think you only used your local track. I think it sounded a whole lot better. So we are. Yeah. Look, it's done. Better than perfect. It's the way it is. Episode 10, we're just professionals. Uh, I'm excited. We should, I mean, we should probably buy like a studio or something now. I mean, definitely put sound blankets up. That has definitely crossed my mind a couple times. I don't understand how you're still married. I have this light and I literally take it apart and put it away every night. Sure. And your light has a light box on it, which mine doesn't, has a t-shirt tied to it because, you know, I haven't got the light box yet. Right. And um, even it being out for like a couple hours to record my daily vlog gives my wife this like face of like, that's going to, you're going to put that away, right? <laughs> and yours is just out? Mine is just out. So I kind of have it like in an alcove uh, right beside like my computer desk downstairs. And she just lets me do it. Yeah, you must find a really great prenup. <clears throat> That's it. Or we don't have one at all. You know, it's okay. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. So that was, that was my follow-up. Cool. So after reviewing last episode, that's the feedback we gave each other. So I'm glad our audience hopefully, um, you know, has experienced a little better quality. Because we are OCD. If anybody knows us personally in our real lives, like we, John and I, are both very OCD when it comes to, to technical stuff. At least a lot of things. So, yeah. So I noticed that you have what seems like a really cool, coolest discovery. So I'm definitely going to want to go first in that section because mine is not as cool. Okay. I'm very, I'm very excited for whatever that's going to be. All right. Uh, so I, I instead am going to ask you to go first in the 30-day challenge, and I would love to know uh, not just what you did, but have you committed to the bit? Do you have a 30-day challenge ready to give sure. for this upcoming month? Because you're really not successful at that so far in nine episodes. It's true. I, uh, I've definitely tried to put my energy into trying to recap the prior 30 days rather than 
forward thinking about what the next 30 days is going to look like. So for me, I, if John, you know, loves this analogy of, are you the pig or are you the chicken as far as commitment goes? Um, I would definitely say I'm, I'm the chicken at this point in the 30 day challenge category. Cause he definitely went for it this last 30 days. Um, but for me, like my commitment last month was all I have to do with reading and once a day, take time out of my day to actually set aside time, typically read a chapter in a book that I'm trying to get through. Um, and it's been really awesome. So I've been able to finish the book, um, essentialism by Greg McCowan. Um, it's a great book really talking about, um, and it really talks about just trying to prioritize your life. And I like the fact that, um, you know, in college, the speaker I sat underneath a lot had something called always take the high road. It was a little cheesy, but it's basically, um, you know, we always encourage people to take the high road. Taking the high road means not choosing between the good and the bad because anybody can do that, but choose between the good and the best. And really, that's kind of like in a infant form what this book talks about. It's talking about really what is the essential thing that you can do best out of anybody else and the things that will make the most impact in your life as opposed to trying to do things that just fill up time. And there's a lot of good filters he puts in place like you know, learning to say no for the first time if you're a people pleaser or doing essential things like getting the right amount of sleep, getting the right nutrients in your body and that kind of stuff. So it aligns with a lot of our philosophy in this podcast of trying to, you know, embrace wellness and, and well-being and that kind of stuff. Um, but it's really been this book that I've been trying to read for a long time and never actually took the time to do it. So um, for me, I feel like if I read on a consistent basis, I, I have more depth in my personality then if I don't, I feel pretty bland as a person if I'm not constantly trying to read or refresh um, on something. So even if I don't talk about it to other people. Have you noticed that um, you're making some changes to some of the things you're doing because of what you heard in there? Absolutely. So one of the biggest points that kind of hit home to me was the concept of trade-offs. So he says everything in life requires a trade-off. And he brought up a point and he says, if you, and I don't know if I completely agree with this. And he was, he was using this illustration to try to, you know, kind of hammer home a point. He says, you have four areas of life, friends, family, work, and health. If you want to be good at life in general, pick three of the four things. If you want to be great at life, pick two of the four things. And I really feel like a lot of times for me, that's it. So like if right now for me, it's probably the two that are winning the best is work and family and my health and friends probably suffer because of it. If any other time when I kind of back off, you know, work and family so much, it's probably, um, friends that kind of come next. So health for me, it needs to become more of a priority, but just the concept of, Hey, like if you're going to commit to something, it's going to require you to not commit to something else. And there is no in between. So if I choose to, you know, take two hours out of my day to record a podcast with you. Like I have to say no, you know, to two hours of spending time with my wife and what have you. So really trying mm -hmm. to filter out that perspective really has helped me a whole lot. Yeah, it's interesting. So it's in a little bit of juxtaposition to, if you go back to our first podcast and I shared the uh, kind of four parts of your life and making sure that they're all in balance. Yes. Of, you know, for me, and it isn't that I think one's right or wrong, but just that I, I don't feel like you could choose two things and completely alienate the other two and feel balanced. Right. And maybe that's not what he's saying in the book. Maybe he's saying that just two will always be more um, 
prevalent at a certain moment or a certain point in time. But what's really interesting is, so obviously because of these 30-day challenges, there's so many um, things that I'm trying to do at one time that that planning is hard. But right. this podcast, while it does take away from time with my wife or my ability to catch up on a show or time that I could be doing some email and doing stuff at work, it's really like I really look forward to it. It's so so therapeutic to have that creative outlet that while of course it's robbing something else, I, I don't think it's necessarily taking away from that other thing. In some ways it's the it's the seasoning that makes the other thing taste a little bit better because sure. now I feel a little more whole. So it's interesting. I, I kind of want to read that because I don't necessarily think I agree with that, but that doesn't necessarily mean he's wrong. Right. The chapter I finished last was called The Essential Intents. And it's basically, you know, the mission statement for your personal life, so to speak. And it's really trying to enlarge upon that concept of don't use bland rhetoric. Try to really be thoughtful about what is the essential thing that you intend to do and that what one decision can you make will help make a thousand other decisions and say no to those other things. Um, so for me, if it's, I, my goal is to be the best dad I can possibly be, that will help me say no, a thousand no's to other things because of that essential intent. Um, so yeah, I, I'm enjoying it a lot. That's awesome. It's really, really cool. Um, I took a little different, uh, approach to this one you said something i decided that i must try that <clears throat> i'm not sure i like you for it you know we we don't record the podcast and publish it the next day so typically we're about a little over halfway through our 30-day challenges when we tell you about these um and then we're setting up what we're going to do next but so i just published our 17th um my 17th video um your daily for vlog. my daily vlog which is on youtube uh Everyone asks where at. I don't know. You just search John Braven on YouTube and my face pops up with a camera in it and then you listen um, or watch. Uh, it is really bad. Like it is almost, uh, I guess it is the same. It, if I went back to owning a Sony NEX3 and if you just made me publish photos, right. that's what it feels like. Sure. Th there's days when it's like, oh yeah, I really... Like I graded that video well, or um, I think I exposed it really nicely, or I got the sound right. Sure. I mean, never all of them at once. <laughs> That's not a thing. <laughs> but man, what's funny is the the day one, two, and three. The hardest part was like um, I I've actually never edited anything, so literally just learning how to use editing tools. And I downloaded all of them because it wasn't about deciding in that moment that final cuts better it was about saying well let's try premiere and final cut and davinci resolve and just feel like what are the differences because if i'm truly learning then i shouldn't have already decided what i'm going to use sure um by day four it was the other problem which is i don't know what to talk about anymore <laughs> yeah i think i ran out of topics on day five right i was like yeah cool i got nothing <laughs> like there's I had no plan today. I have like an 11 hour work day and I didn't have time to write out a thought. Sure. And so I just kind of had fun with it. And I actually pulled out my phone and just flipped the camera around and made a video telling people like, I'm not doing it. I'm going to bed. Sorry. Yeah. 
Um, I say people. There's literally two people that watch every video. Um, <laughs> one of them's not even my wife. I have. I can't even get her to do it. It's that bad. Um, but you know, 17 days or so into it, what's cool? Uh, what's terrible is the content. What's cool is. I can open actually two different really powerful editing apps right now and put together. So I did a video about this podcast that I recorded five minutes before the podcast and published as we dialed each other on podcast Mm -hmm. on the podcast. Um, And that was actually kind of cool. I felt good that I have the workflow down enough that I could make something color grade it really quickly, throw some audio in it, make a couple cuts, add some B roll and then send it. Mm -hmm. And it's, I'm, it's not good, but I at least feel like some level of competence. Sure. And like when John says he commits to a daily vlog, like what you meant was you're not just committing to a daily vlog. You're committing to a daily vlog on a brand new camera, mm-hmm. never had experience in editing, and you're shooting log footage on that camera. Yeah. So literally it's it's like, I don't even say say you're trying to drive a stick for the first time and you get behind a semi. It's It's past that, you know, in terms of difficulty. It's been fun. I've been trying, and this is probably dumb because a smarter man would just say for 30 days, leave the camera set up in the same spot and just record, talk, and publish. But I feel like each day I want to try to add another dimension to the concept, right? Mm. So like I tried to interwind some B-roll and, and what did that look like? And then I tried uh, a multicam shot. That's, that's not, that, don't do that. That's hard. Um <laughs> Then um, I tried to do yesterday was interesting because it, it's a really dumb thing. But I, I don't know. Did you get a chance to watch yesterday's one or do you, have you watched any of them? I've watched most of them. Almost all it's of them. Fi- it's fine. I wouldn't be bad. So yesterday I tried one of those little scooters. Um, I saw that. One. And so it wasn't I wasn't trying to shoot B-roll or anything. I was on the scooter and I pulled out my smartphone and I took a video. But because, you know, it's 2019 and no one does anything right nowadays i recorded vertical video and <laughs> i decided i wanted to intersperse it in what i was talking about and realized there is no good way to put that in the frame so i was recording the vlog in c log in 4k that i was going to downsample to 1080p now i've got this video that's shot in 4k but in you know portrait mode and so I looked online for like the best ways to create um, an effect on that one. And I did, I found a couple that nothing that just stood out to me. So instead I just took two copies of the video file. I did a Gaussian blur on one of them and then I made that fill the frame. And so you're actually seeing that same shot twice, but with a Gaussian blur behind one of them, right. which I don't think is a great effect, but for the purpose I used it was totally serviceable. Sure. and. It's interesting because it's again, it's not like something I want to use a lot, but I was like, oh, I, I learned how to do a blur effect. I didn't right. do that. It's, that was cool. It's very like TMZ. Like if you see like a, you know, Conor McGregor, you know, hitting somebody with a chair, stomping his cell phone, that's what TMZ throws up there. Gaussian blur with the actual frame in front of it. So it's good. Yeah. I, I like, I felt cool that I had figured out how to do that. Sure. Yeah. So I, I have two statements and then a question. So. For me, from a story perspective, in other words, content, the episode that you referenced was probably my favorite where you were like, I want to talk to you about this like clip. And you're like, I, I, I don't. And I want to talk to you about this, uh, you know, whatever. And, 
in that moment, you're able to portray so much of like, cause I do tech reviews and videos on my YouTube channel. And like, there are so many times I get behind the camera. I'm just like, I, I got nothing. Like it, it was pretty tongue in cheek, um, in that moment. But the other thing is my, you know, my favorite episode as far as look and color goes, what do you think it is? Look and color. Um, Maybe me outside complaining about the DMV. No. No? Hmm. I don't know. What? Episode one. What? Very first one you shot. So it's oh. it's like you in, in your exact setup right now, white wall behind you. Um, it's it's lit well. The LUT you applied was great. Like it's very trendy right now with like, it's kind of like the bluish and the black tones and that kind of stuff. But... Yeah. Like when you send me that first video, I'm like, you've got to be joking me. I have been trying to color correct video for years. And in the first episode that John publishes, he just nails it. I'm like, that's just not fair. <laughs> so as far as color looks, I think that was my favorite for sure. Um, and I know you're experiencing with a couple different stuff, like with your light now and that kind of stuff. And the look, oh, you, as soon as you get your light storm, like you'll be set. Like you literally just point your camera and you'll be fine. But yeah, as far as color and looks go, that was definitely my favorite. So the funny part and the reason I pulled away from that one a bit, it's I'm actually using kind of the same LUT. I'm just using a little bit less of it. Yeah. Um, is that one, it was a little Matt Diavella and, and not in a bad way, but like <laughs> it's a little teal and blue. And two, it's because my wife said, wow, look at your eyes. And I'm like, yeah, they're not that blue. Like they're not, I mean, <laughs> I, I have, I have blue eyes, but like, sure they were like uh white walker blue right and i was like i don't think i can accept that <laughs> like it's not real like that's not what my face looks like sure um of course on the newer ones i look a little too red so yeah um what is funny on a daily vlog and it's so silly but i, I mean i'm i'm not an actor and i don't use makeup so like i, I have a pimple now right and and it's you know, like four episodes in a row, you see it come and go. I had on the keto diet, I had this little like uh, five day run where I was so dry mm -hmm. and like you can see that come through my face. Yeah. And I was like, oh man, if you were a newscaster and you had to get up every day, that would suck. Yeah, you need the makeup. At least you could choose to just not do a video for three days until you're, you know, if you got a bad haircut, you could be like, yeah, I'll wait, I'll just grow it out. Yeah, not on the daily. You're just like, yep, this is what it looks like. This is what we're doing. And then last night, I, it was so late. I was like, I'm not combing my hair. I'm just, I got to record this and publish it to go to bed. Yeah. Because I am freaking tired. And for my audience of two, I have to publish my damn daily video. That's it. That's more for you at this point than your audience. Like, yeah, oh, totally. you got to commit to it. So. so, so what was your question? The question is, obviously, apart from the, the technical things you're learning about your camera and lighting and that the... the all the things, you know, you think about when it comes to editing, that kind of stuff, like what's the biggest lesson you've learned? You know, I, I think there is, whether it be a daily vlog you do, whether it be going to the gym, whether it be committing to reading to your kids, uh, pick the topic. There is a discipline necessary in any of those things to say, kind of no matter what else is going, I'm going to do this. And you can make an excuse every day for why not to do it. There were 10 times that I could have not done it. I didn't do it one day, and it is literally because I fell asleep. I had nothing. I, I 
fell off the keto, uh, knocked myself out of ketosis. And the next day, I, I mean, I couldn't even get through Game of Thrones. I was so tired. Wow. The, but there are nine other days that it would have been really easy to be like, well, I had a friend's going away party. I can't do that today. Mm-hmm. Or I worked a 12 hour day. Like there was no time or my kids were being crazy. Um, and so the reminder had very little to do with blogging. Cause I won't, there will not be a 31st day daily vlog. That's not <laughs> sure. I, I've not found like a Casey and I step passion for daily vlogging. Yeah. Um, I still find it weird to walk through a group of people with a, um, Joby. Yeah. It's awkward. Um, but what I did or was reminded of, it's actually helped me to work out more. It's helped me to do some other things in life a little bit better because having that kind of discipline at anything, I think you sent me, there's a, a, a Marine talking about why we make our bed every morning. Right. It's an article. Yeah. I'll have to find it. Maybe it wasn't you. Um, but it's that same thing, right? We're just like, well, this other thing forces me to be disciplined in other areas. Mm-hmm. Um, and so at 930 at night when I'm really tired and I've barely recorded and I have to unpack the Godox and set it up because I put it away from my wife, I'm not thrilled. I'm not inspired. I'm not super excited to go post a mediocre video. Mm-hmm. But there's also as soon as I post it, every single time I hit export, I go to my phone and watch it. And and there's a pride in like, oh, you did that. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Like. It's done, and as Drew says, done's better than perfect. It's it's out there, and so I think there's a lesson there about discipline that's really really cool. And I think what will carry beyond the 30 days of that vlog is maybe that'll be replaced with well, it will because we'll talk about what's next. But I'll I think I'll be more disciplined than even I have been on the first two challenges, which have gone really well. But it, this was the most like accountable I felt to I'm going to let someone down if I don't do this sure yeah I think for me you know I'm reminded of a Steve Jobs quote here it's a he said that good art is ship and the concept is it's it takes so much swallowing your pride to to publish the video that you know is not perfect to get up and film the video that might not be you know transformative whatever but in the discipline, there is so much that we learn. And um, it's to your point, the decision that you've made kind of takes care of all decisions after that. Um, so I, I love that. And I, you know, for me, like shooting YouTube videos to this day, like I don't get millions of views on, on my stuff. Like the last video I posted um, has gotten more traction than a lot of mine, but like it's, it's about the discipline. It's about what you're learning. It's about, um, putting thought into a script that you don't necessarily even read word for word. It's like, how are you communicating thoughts? How are you presenting yourself on camera? Um, there's a lot of tertiary skills, so to speak, that go into that skill. And yeah, it's, it's just fascinating to me. I probably will never be a person that gets, you know, millions of views on YouTube and that's okay, but I'm enjoying it still. So I like it. You did get 500 or so people to watch the video about firmware. I did. I did. I mean, it's, Pretty cool. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I uh, I was laughing because uh, my camera has got a firmware update coming in the next couple um, uh, weeks. Sure. And I am definitely going to post a response video um, and show you how much easier it is to install firmware on the Canon because <laughs> whatever ridiculous hoop you had to jump through to install it, I was watching it. I'm like, are we still downloading? Oh, like, yeah. 
On the Canon, you literally download the file, drop it on the SD, plug it in, and go. No. This, yeah. It definitely is that a is, process. Yeah, I was... I, I, and what's funny is I saw... This is so tangential, but I saw that um, come across the wires that there was an update to the camera, mm-hmm. to yours. And I was like, oh, what's in there? And saw the eye autofocus thing. And that's actually what's in the Canon update, too. Oh, cool. So I was like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, that's cool. And then I saw the word time lapse, and I'm like, oh, Drew. <laughs> Drew can throw out his intervalometer. I know. My like, my $20 spend that I have to take with me everywhere. Happiness. Dude, I autofocus is going to be a game changer for you. You're talking on your 1.2, be able to nail tack sharp focus every single time on portraits. That'll be unreal. Yeah. It, so it's already, I mean, the camera already has I autofocus, but it doesn't have it in servo mode. Got it. So it has it only in, um, in single, single shot. Um, in single shot. And so... The two additions are they're adding it to servo um, and they're adding it to servo for video. And that one's the bigger one for me because face tracking video is really nice. But I autofocus in video mm-hmm. like that's a mm, yeah, that's a thing. It's pretty dope. That's a that's a real thing. But no, man, I, I really appreciate the the thought. Um, I had a lot of fun making this video for sure. So, yeah, I liked it. I liked it. I'm going to learn to record my screen and. Part of my discipline over the next couple of days is I'm going to practice that skill mm-hmm. so I can actually make a good video. And what I really hope is that the 30-day vlog, I mean, it will never be a good thing, but that it will make the next 10-minute um, video I do be infinitely better. Right. Um, because I've already learned just so many funny ones. I, did I share the 60p thing? No. Okay. So there's one episode where I'm talking about how I slowed down um video for the first time you did i remember that yes well you talk about speed ramping i remember that yeah yeah okay Okay. so i take this shot of like some water and i've got a 24 frame sequence and i shoot something in 60 so i know that i've got two options at that point i can slow it down to 40 percent, and now it's at 24 frames as well or i can just kind of do that dreamlike effect and slow it down to 80 right Mm -hmm. and and with the water that's all i wanted i didn't need it to be crazy slow yeah i just wanted it to be slower sure so i do it and i had like watched a million videos on the math and it just looked like crap it was jumping around it was dropping frames and i'm like man what what's going on so i was like what is the root cause of this thing like i I don't get it i don't get it so i go to this other sequence that i shot and i slow that down and the same thing happens and I was like, man, I like did my part, man. On my lunch, I watched videos on how to do this. This should be working. Um, so then there's another way to change the speed, which is to not slow it down by speed, but to go actually change the way it ingresses the sequence, right? And so I was like, oh, I'll ingest the video differently. I'll go do that. Yeah. So what happened, <laughs> what happened is what happened was the video that I shot of myself explaining that I had shot video in 60 frames and was going to slow it down. Um, I also recorded that in 60 frames. So the sequence is at 60 frames, um, which meant I couldn't slow. So it was really cool. I could slow it down to 30 frames, which is what I did. Yeah, that's pretty hilarious. I was going to go a a totally different direction. I was like, uh, maybe he forgot to double his shutter speed. Nope. And I was so happy. I had done all the right things. And then I got it wrong. And that's actually, I mean, one of the hardest things about this whole thing is there's all this skill around editing that you have to do, but then 
then there's also all these things about the shot that are so different than photography. Videography is so different. Sure. That, that then that made me grumpy. And then we're, we're going to get to later. I have a photography question that is just <laughs> irking my soul. And now I hate everything again. And I just want to return it all and just go back to not shooting anything. <laughs> Your smartphone. Yeah. It's all hard. <laughs> Everything's hard. Anyway, with that being said, I applaud you for your effort. And I truly, when you said, okay, dang it, I hate you. I'm not going to do it. I, I did not believe it. But then when I saw the first video, I'm like, holy crap, he's doing it. So hats off to you. I definitely have not had one that that's been a 30-day challenge that's been that brave yet. So I'll need to up my ante here a little bit. All right, so getting on to our future 30-day challenge. Yeah, you actually came up with one. I'm so proud of you. You're like Marco, and you actually finally watch the uh, the topic for top four instead of making it up as you go. It's great. <laughs> That's the way it is. So I I would say so since my wife has heard us doing this, um, she's done her own little thirty day challenges alongside this, and she has been running for thirty days. So her thirtieth day is tomorrow. Get it? And she's actually going to do a nine mile run to meet us up for Chick fil A for lunch. So I'm taking all the kids. Um, up to Chick-fil-A and she's going to meet us there after running nine miles. So uh, she's definitely a little more committed to it than I am. But we together are going to do like full on keto and have already started. It was funny because we went to Costco, got a lot of meat because in keto, that's what you need, meat and veggies. And I was driving home the other night and I was like, hey, like, what are your thoughts for dinner or whatever? And she was like, hey, have you already finished the fish? And I'm like, yeah, we finished a couple of days ago. She's like, I feel like all that went really quick. And she and I said, yes, it's because that's all we're eating right now. So we definitely are going full keto as well. Um, and hopefully we'll, uh, you know, pay some dividends. So Nice. So you started that already or you're going to start that on May 1st? We're going to start it on May 1st. But yeah. you've kind of like started some of the... Yeah, like basic stuff. Like I haven't, you know, ever since I did my whole 30-day sugar thing, I think I've had a piece of birthday cake for my daughter's sixth birthday. I might've had one dessert over coffee, but like I haven't gone full bore, you know, back to like I'm downing a, a, some sugar, something for every single meal or whatever. So it's been, it's been pretty good. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, if you watch the videos, you know this, but my warning is, so um, I have not had any, there's been no cake. There's been no, chips there's been no cheating like that's not been a thing for me i've not had any need to do that um but i knocked myself out of ketosis in a uh, really innocent way i i actually ate a lot of meat um we were uh we had some friends over to the charcuterie board and ate a ton of meat and cheese and just i overindulged on the calories and uh probably had a glass of wine more than was my carb limit and man after you go through the keto flu i'll, I'll go with twice there's no birthday cake that looks good enough ever. Like, cause you're just like, no, I know how bad that's going to feel. I'm good. I'm not, I'm not doing it ever again. Uh, so it's, it's, it only takes one mess up before you're like, yep, yep. I'm good. That's awesome. Um, yeah. So that's what we're committing to going forward. Nice. Uh, well, mine is, um, it's not, I don't think it's anything super dramatic. And for you, obviously you'll laugh cause it requires nothing of you. Um, but so in doing the keto diet, I did not stop consuming alcohol. I just changed dramatically the type of alcohol and how much. So obviously the amount is far less because you just mm -hmm. can't drink a lot. Um, 
beyond the part where it'll knock you out of ketosis, you, the hangover will kill you. Like, I mean, it's about a glass of wine before your head just throbs. Um, but I have saved carbs. I totally just know that feeling. I know you do, yeah. I've saved carbs every day to have a glass of wine or two. And um, I it, it's a lazy version of keto. So the first part was really instant. And then the second part kind of plateaued. And so I'm down like 16 pounds. But the last like four pounds have just been really slow. And I don't want to go into June without being where I want to be or close to it. Mm -hmm. So um, I think the 30-day month of May is going to be uh, to completely remove alcohol from the story as well. Um, Mm -hmm. I'll still still retain the other, um, you know, the gratitude journal is not going to go anywhere. I'm not going to stop doing that. I'm not going to stop with the working out. Um, And I'm not going to stop with the keto, but I'll layer that on top of it too. and so I, uh, I think that'll probably have a pretty strong impact on my results, but also, um, it'll be a nice head clear. I probably don't need to drink as much as I do. No one probably does. Um, so it'll be a nice positive to, um, use what I talked about earlier about disciplines to force myself to make some better decisions. And if you know, you're not going to have a glass of wine, it encourages you to, you might as well just run another half an hour because you're like, well, what else am I going to do? I don't watch TV. So I might as well just listen to more podcasts and work out longer. So I think there'll be this extra benefit on top of it that I'm really excited about. Yeah, that's awesome. I think it's a big commitment for you for sure. Yeah. So that's cool to hear. Coolest discoveries. Mine is not, uh, uh, it's not crazy. You probably already know it exists, um, but it blew my mind today and it was an Insta purchase and I, I love the name, but I like the product way more. So the name is cool. It's called the Anchor Power Core Fusion Power Delivery Battery and Charger. It's a lot. I know. It's a lot of words. Um, so Anchor is a company that uh, has been around for a really long time making uh, basically anything to do with a battery. So uh, really good power packs, really good cables, um, and they're just a pretty decent company. So I use uh, a lot of USB-C powered devices, my notebook, my tablet. They're both USB-C powered. Mm-hmm. And is your camera USB-C? It is. It is USB-C as well. And when I travel, I use an Anchor dual port charger that's two uh, USB-As um, to charge like my, my phone and my watch. Um, and then for my computer, I have the standard USB-C brick that I can use for the computer. I could use it for my tablet. Um, and then I can even use that to power my Nintendo Switch and my camera. Um, so I saw this device today and it has a USB-C fast charging port up to 30 watts, which is great for a camera. It's great for Nintendo Switch. It's great for a laptop. It also has a USB-A port, which is cool if you also want to charge your phone at the same time. And I was like, cool, that's nifty, but like, I'm, I'm pretty good. Like I've got lots of charging options. I don't need another combo of ports, if you will. Like I could find sure. a way with what I have right now until... I realized that this amazing, glorious little device, ugh, this little beacon of joy, it is not just a charger, but it in fact has its own battery pack built into the charger. So it looks like just a regular um, power brick, but it's a 5,000 milliamp battery that gives you 23 extra hours of battery life for that smartphone. Wow. It could charge your laptop, which means for me, I can be 
out in between uh, locations at work or I could be on a flight or whatever, I can notice my laptop's dying and the same device that I'm going to use to charge it when I get back to the hotel also becomes a battery pack, which I hate carrying because that extra weight's dumb. And, and I never need a battery pack enough to really care about it. But this is just replacing weight I was already carrying. Yeah. So it has no negative side and only a positive benefit of being able to charge my devices when I want them to and also being a dual charger when I'm using it. It's glorious. I love it. Everyone should buy it. It is so good. Yep. Put it in your cart. It's, it's delightful. That's crazy. Yep. Comes in two different colors. Uh, I did have a great discussion with our really good friend with, uh, with all the stuff. So I bought the white one because my charging cable's white. Um, and although my notebook is a darker color, I decided it was important to match the charging cable. I didn't want to look like an Oreo. Uh, he, like usual, one up to me. He bought the black one and then also went on Anchor site and bought a black USB-C to USB-C cable. Uh, so that way he could just have the Darth Vader look all the way through. Yeah. Space Gur everything. I love that. Yeah. That's fantastic. Man, I am talking. This is like a... Ugh, so good. So good. Yeah. I am with you. Like, I hope everything just goes USB-C everything. Like, yeah, it's give, give it to fantastic. me. Yeah. There's many times when I forget like my little SD to USB-C adapter or whatever dongle. And I'm like, cool. Like, I'll just use the power cable for my computer. It's great, you know? And what's funny is I have a, I have a Mophie um, USB-C XL power station, um, which is great. But, but what's interesting is it, it's not a lot more power. It, like, you know, it is a little bit more, but it's not enough that it would matter to me. But it's heavier and doesn't have the extra benefit of charging the device. Like, it's worse in every way. Mm-hmm. And you have to carry it in addition to the thing you're already carrying. So this one was like, wow, this is a no-brainer. Like everyone that uses a USB-C based notebook or tablet should own this. That's awesome. Link in the description, right? Link in the show notes. We still need to activate affiliate links, John. Just telling you. Oh, yeah. We should do that. We should totally our, do that. Our eight followers are buying stuff. It would at least pay for the hosting we you know have every single month, or you're paying it for every single month, you know. If all we could do is just get our friend to buy all his stuff through our affiliate links, bank, we'd be. I mean, we could. <laughs> yep, you could buy whatever you want. All right, are you ready for mine? I'm ready. So, for my coolest discovery, I probably have two that I can share. And. Do you remember what my coolest discovery was last podcast? It was a failure of a coolest discovery because you wanted to use that high-end, beautiful Sony A7R 3 through this little switch, and you wanted to make it your uh, webcam, um, Yeah, but you didn't. I didn't. I was trying out the Blackmagic Ultra Studio Recorder um, after installing all their firmware updates and modules and all this kind of stuff alas um you know met with utter frustration so without any further ado john here you go boom look at you sharp in focus i mean your blur's not as good as my skype created one <laughs> so john currently <laughs> has portrait mode on skype turned on <laughs> and you know i can't see the tripod that's a foot behind his left shoulder i look dreamy but, um, 
my camera just switched over. It's from using my laptop's webcam to my actual Sony SMR3 that's right behind it. So I have a couple of questions for you because this is my first time obviously using this live other than a couple of like personal FaceTime calls. So this is technically it's 4K. So I mean, I have my camera on 4K. It's a 4K input into my computer. Um, I'm broadcasting. I have good internet speed. So like, am I choppy? Am I delayed? Like... What are you experiencing on your end right now? Okay, so uh, for context for everybody, I'm using a Logitech Brio, so I, I am also in 4K. Let me tell you, they are not the same thing. My 4K <laughs> and your 4K do not look similar. Um, I mean, they both have the number four in it, but that's the end of it. So you immediately look significantly better. Obviously, a much wider angle lens. Mm -hmm. um, I can now see that 70 to 200 G Master sitting behind <laughs> you and the light and I can see your full sign. I couldn't see your shirt before, but now I can see the whole thing. And your mic was just in your face, but now it's it's, you know, actually the sure. whole stand. Um, I would say it looks as if there's about a maybe a half a second delay when you talk, you know, you the the words come out before your mouth actually physically opens. Um but not it, it's so smooth and nice that sure like yeah we're good it's awesome um so my second so that that's the first one so this is actually not the black magic um, ultra studio recorder after lots of research and my utter frustration of that i did um and actually went out and purchased an elgato product so this is called the camlink 4k a lot of people actually use this to stream like their gaming channel so maybe they would have like some kind of like green screen behind them and on their gaming channel, they would kind of just superimpose their body onto the game screen as they play, you know, their stream, that kind of stuff. But, you know, I literally plugged and played this. It's like, it looks like a uh, 1990s flash drive. It, it plugs in via, you know, USB and the other end is HDMI in. And yeah, it just works, which is what I was expecting out of the Blackmagic. So I think for me... Um, the beauty of this also is the fact like it can record my actual screen, to the camera. So the review I just did talking about the most recent firmware update for the Sony a7R3, I can actually use it to record my camera screen, you know, just launch, you know, QuickTime on the Mac and, it, you know, you just use the screen recording of what the actual camera is. It's a mirror image of my actual Sony screen. And thus I'm recording the camera screen. Most people would have to buy some kind of external recorder, like an Atomos Ninja or Shogun or something like that to get the screen recorded. Um, but I can do that at this point, you know, for my computer, which is pretty dang cool. Okay, I have three questions. Sure. So you said it's HDMI in and then it's USB-A on the other side? Yeah, so USB-A to USB-C dongle between that and my computer. Okay, so I have a question about that, uh, my first of the three. So USB-A is, what? what's the max on that, 5 gigabits a second? How can it push 4K through that? It's USB A and it's it is USB three. So yeah. So okay. So you said that it's um, that it's USB three, which is sixty megabytes a second. Um, megabytes a second. Yeah, yeah. Five gigabits. Four um, K. I guess if it's pretty decently encoded. Yeah, like Netflix. I mean, you're talking about twenty five right. uh, megabits. So. I guess it makes sense. It just feels like it would be so constrained, but obviously it's working. It looks good. You know, it's a, it says twenty one sixty p, which which if we're talking about you know UH, that's technically UHD. It's it's not true like cinema four K, 
um, at 30 frames a second and then 1080p at 60 frames a second. Can so, it do 24 or is it always going to be 30 or 60? I think it can do 24 if my camera set it, which it is. So you should be seeing um, 24 frames right now. And again, like... So can I make a recommendation? Sure. So I think that's an interesting point. So I think you should switch to 30 or 60. So 30 on 4K. Because if you're you're not recording for film, you're recording for a monitor, right. which I actually wonder if you change that right now, if that'll fix the choppiness. Do you know what I'm saying? Because your my monitor's yep. not going to display that in 24. So now I'm 4K 30 at a lower megabits a second, so it's 60 megabits a second. How's that look? Yeah. Better? Um, you know, it doesn't. It's not that it looks better. Like I actually think it physically looks a little bit worse. Um, the delay's better. Yeah, there's just less jumpiness in it. I just think it matches the monitor refresh probably better. Yeah, I haven't played with... I could try definitely 60p on the next one. As you saw, as soon as you switch out of 4K, HDMI mirrors the screen as opposed to the output. So it's just how Sony's work. Um, so it's really interesting. But Okay, I have two other questions. Sure. So this is, again, it's called the, the Elgato Video Capture? Camlink. Camlink. 4K. Okay, so part one was just what you're in part two. Okay. So you said that it's using HDMI out from the camera. So your camera can output in 10 bit via HDMI to a recorder or is that unique to my camera? Can yours do that? That's unique to your camera. Would it do it on that? I don't know. Um, just doesn't feel like it would have the bandwidth to handle that. I don't know. Uh, I have to research that a little bit. I'm not sure. I know because so because if you hook yours up to that new ninja atomos right see like we talked about an episode or two ago it becomes a baby c200 mm -hmm. right because of the the amount mine does not do that um it, it's not that big of a benefit to upgrade to the atomos. yeah i wonder i mean i i can't imagine it would be able to handle it result like i just i think that would be probably i was trying to find a way to get around buying it Atomos one day. Um, sure. <laughs> um, I mean, if you just buy a Shogun, then I could buy an Atomos. I wouldn't feel so bad. Um, okay. So so that was part two is just could it be used as an external recorder that way? And then I guess mm -hmm. so you can just record right into your computer. So this could also be a way that you could, um, if you didn't want to record in body and shoot a video, you could be recording right into uh, one of the said editors, right? Yeah, SSD. So, like, what you don't hear, I could put my mic up to the the fans on my computer. Yeah, they're they're humming. Yeah, so it's definitely taking care of the encoding process right now a lot. Sure, and I I literally I just have Skype and Safari, and that's it running right now. So yeah, interesting. What a cool product, though. Yeah. So the funny thing is, um, it was hard to get. Um, you go to Amazon, they're charging twice the price for it on every reseller. Best Buy sold out, and the only place I found it was Newegg, actually. So they had, like, if you go to their, like, shop now section or buy now, there's four major retailers that pop up there, mm -hmm. and Newegg was literally the only one that had it still. For $129.25, uh, huh? That's it. So it's about 20 bucks cheaper than the Blackmagic, and it actually works without me pulling my hair out. Yeah, what a cool product. I mean, I think it, they're probably hard to get because that's probably a Twitch you know, everyone that does Twitch probably owns one of those. Sure. It is interesting with the, the era of um, USB-C that this just isn't easier. Like you would think 
theoretically, you should just be able to go USB-C into your computer and do this. I, I don't actually understand why it doesn't. Yeah, and I want to think that it's more limitations of my camera than my computer because I fully bought like all the the right adapters and cables and stuff and to know like nothing showed up at all. Like it was not, it even didn't even look like different on my camera. Like how that kind of switch over is as soon as you put HDMI out, it like it didn't even register. So I think it's more on the camera manufacturer than the computer at this point. But you're right, it's it has to do with something with the right copyrights, I'm sure, or whatever. But yeah, I mean, this was in the pre-show, so it won't be in the real one. But me and Drew's joke was now that we have 10 whole episodes, I mean, we can, we have infinite funds now. <laughs> we can splurge. Yeah. So, I mean, the ultimate goal would be to do this uh, show on YouTube live. Right. And then to post the audio, I mean, just for the, the few suckers that use us in the car. <laughs> yeah. I mean, who does podcasts anymore? Uh, but yeah, if I if I had a second one, obviously John called it out a little bit earlier. Um, I've been toying with the idea of upgrading to a different lens. Right now, the only lens I have on my camera is the 16-35G Master, which I love and adore. It's a great camera. But recently, my daughter started getting to sporting events, and we have different stuff where we're in auditoriums. And I finally pulled the trigger and bought a um, slightly used, very slightly used 7200G uh, Master from B&H. Saved about... 350 bucks by buying it used. I can't tell the difference. It does. It looks new to me. Um, and that, that would be my, my second discovery. So I love it. Well, it's a great second discovery because of, um, my complaint that I'd like to have. So maybe I would love you to just, our, our, not all our audience are into photography. So when you say a 70 to 200, like, what does that mean? What types of shots does it allow you to get? And what's so impressive? Because it's a giant lens. Like that's one of those lenses where when you pull out your camera with a 16 to 35, it clearly looks like you have a professional camera, but half the population also thinks maybe you went to Costco and bought a box like they did. Sure. When you pull out a 70 to 200, no one is wondering anymore. Right. If you are using a professional camera, if you know what you're doing. So tell me a little bit more about what that lens is, and I'll use it to tell you why I'm so angry at photography. Sure. So it's called a telephoto lens, meaning it can get shots that are are very far away. So at the um, front end of the lens, like ultimately I bought this lens to be a portrait lens. So 35 served me well for a couple different occasions, but like there was just a couple times where I could see some you know, roundness of the face, a little bit the distortion on the 35 angle and trying to take, you know, nice headshots. And I just wasn't satisfied with it all. But mainly, you know, for me, it's trying to capture video from a distance where I, I have no, uh, my feet aren't my, my zoom option at the point. They've, they've, it's not an option. So at the 200 end of this lens, I can get super close, have a great frame of stuff and not lose resolution in the process. And I, people say, I have a 42 megapixel camera. Can't you just crop in and eventually it'll be like the same thing as a 200? Yes and no. So like you, your focus point when you go to focus a 16 to 35 and crop in is at the 35. So if I crop in, I'm still going to lose something, whether it's focus or detail or what have you, rather than just putting a 200 millimeter lens on it. And from the get-go, have that zoomed up close-up shot where everything's crisp and detailed and I want the focus exactly where it's supposed to be. Um, so for me, it's honestly just flexibility. And when it comes to video, um, 
there is nothing that quite knocks out the background of an image at the far end of the 200 millimeter lens. And what I mean by that is, let's say for instance, I'm trying to just shoot a talking head shot, right? And the, the background for whatever reason, it's, it's noisy and it's messy and I can't get rid of it. Like I have to shoot in that one location. Well, I can just simply back my tripod up away from the subject and use the 200 end of the lens. And at that point, all, even if it's a 2.8, which is incredibly, um, the bokeh at that point is incredibly blurry, not quite as blurry as John's portrait mode in Skype right now, but, um, <laughs> but still at the far end of that 200 millimeter lens, everything just becomes butter. And it's a very beautiful image. I had a friend, um, he is in Fresno right now. He does a lot of like side freelance work. And he had that exact situation. He was shooting in a lobby, couldn't avoid it. And he wanted to get rid of the background. So he's almost across the entire opposite end of the lobby, shooting at the 200 end of the, of the lens. And at that point, it just looks great still because everything's knocked out. Um, so hopefully that explanation, it's really long, I'm sorry, but hopefully that explanation can at least help you um, you know, when making a buying decision like this. So if I go back about six months when this whole fun journey began and I finally actually listened to you and watched a Pete McKinnon video, there was this particular video, I'd have to find it and I'll try to and put it in the show notes, but the video was about his love of that particular lens, the Canon version of it, right? So 70 to 200, the, the third version, F2.8. And what he's talking about is, you know, for one, like on a good portrait, the compression that you get from that lens is so special that it's just awesome looking, right? And then if you kind of take it wide, which their version of wide is 70, like you're still, I mean, the human eye is what, like 50 is kind of about what the human eye is at. Mm -hmm. So you're just slightly more zoomed in than the human eye. And so you still get these great shots and you can use it in a wedding and blah, blah, blah. Okay. Now McKinnon shoots a lot of 16 to 35, right? He's, you know, he's the Holy Trinity of lenses. So most things are going to be wide, but that 70 to 200 comes out for almost all of his B roll. Mm -hmm. So I watched this whole video and I'm like, Oh, okay. Like big telephoto lenses are better. So then, you know, a couple months later I'm watching all these and everything he says is wide is better. Wider is better. Catch more of the story. Tell more of the story. And I'm like, ah, oh, why, 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 yeah, why it's better, right? Now, right. I, I think I told you before, 50 is like my favorite focal length. It just, I just think it's beautiful and it's really, really wonderful and I, I really like it. But I've been shooting on a 35 pretty much every day for the last month um, because I use that for the vlog. And I can't wait for the 15 to 35 to come out for the, the um, RF mount but it's not here today. And I really don't want to do the 16 to 35 EF um, because it's a lot bigger. And even though it's a great lens, like I would just rather wait for the right one to come out. Yeah. Technically non-native. Yeah. And then, I mean, that's, you know, on this system, it's pretty good, but um, anyway, so whatever. All right. So I feel good that I have like this fundamental understanding of photography and lenses and shooting wide and shooting tight and I know I want to own the Holy Trinity eventually, like give me the 15 to 35, the 24 to 70 and the 70 to 200 all at F 2.8. I've learned from you that F 1.2 verse 2.8, it's not that big a difference. You don't need that much bokeh, have the prime for the right moment, but live with those and be fine. And especially when you go on a trip, right? So if you could take a 16 to 35 and a 70 to 200 on a trip, you probably are perfect with just those two right. lenses. Yeah. Okay. 
I thought I understood all of that until yesterday. Okay. So I'm, I'm doing what I always do now, which is watching my 14th or 15th YouTube video of the day. I hate you, by the way. <laughs> Again, the reason John says that is because John didn't know what YouTube was that's six not months ago. No, I just didn't want to watch Good Mythical Morning, if that's okay with everybody. Okay. <laughs> so I'm watching this guy, and he's a, a professional portrait photographer in Miami. And he is talking about how, one, you shouldn't shoot on a prime. And how amateur photographers believe that shooting wide open in portraits is right. And professional photographers know it's never right. Mm -hmm. I was like, all right, little clickbaity video. I'll watch you. This guy goes. And then he proved it. He shoots a model at F1.2. And then he shoots at F11. and proves pretty easily that f11 is exactly what you should shoot at and why and why f1.2 isn't sharp at all and then he gets into this great discussion about depth of field and how that's not the same as like what you're trying to get with bokeh and the fall off and and I'm like, no, 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 the same thing. Like, those are the same thing. Those are the same phrases. Those are both depth of field. And he's like, no, no, they're not. So let me explain focal planes. Okay, so, so hear me out because you probably know all this, but this broke my brain. No. All right. So his point was, if you're going to shoot wide open, which is what almost everyone does because they love the pretty blur, you need to step back a lot. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise, your focal plane is so narrow Yes. That you'll not have anything in actual focus. It'll be the like most in focus your camera could be. And the hyperfocal distance is going to be the same, but the actual focal plane is narrow. So he, he shows that like on, a, on the, the lens that I shoot on, the 50 millimeter F1.2, that when you're about four feet away from your subject and you shoot, that your focal plane is only about seven inches. If that. And that's being kind. Like, it's really probably three and a half. And he just shows in the video that, like, the other three and a half that will give you to get it to seven isn't really in focus, but you could at least lie to yourself. Sure. So at three and a half inches worth of a focal plane, now, unless someone is exactly square to you, as soon as they even turn their body slightly, now one eye is in focus and one eye isn't. Right. So all that work you did to buy that beautiful glass means you got a crappy image. Sure. So then he shoots the same damn image at F11. And I was like, oh, F11. So everything will be, everything will be in the picture. No, <laughs> no, not at all. Because he's so close to the subject that there's still this wonderful buttery bokeh behind it. Sure. And all that became in focus is the hair of the person. Yeah. So then to be a jerk, he pulls out a 70 to 200 and shows how if he just sets that to 150 and goes back 15 feet away from the subject, he can get a better, more and clear, more in focus shot then you can get on your F1.235 or your F1.250. Ah, are you kidding? And at, and at that point, your brain just like, you're like, I'm done. Like, I'm, I'm walking away. Well, right, because my brain, I just, I was like, no, no, no. Wide open gives you best depth of field. N- right. No, no, it gives you a really, really sh- shitty focal plane. Sure. And so he's like, yeah, so basically you should buy primes. I mean, if you record video. But if you're a photographer, like, why do you even waste your time? 
Yeah. And then he goes on to talk about just like buy an F1 or just buy an F4. Like, I mean, even the 2.8s, like, it's fine, I guess. Who needs it? And I, I, oh, then I was like, oh, screw you. You're the worst. <laughs> and then he's got like a million followers and he actually knows what he's doing. And then I went to his website and I'm like, oh, okay. It's cool. Yep. 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 Got photography all wrong. So, um, focal planes. I have so much to say here. I, I'm, can you just, I, I hate photography now. So I had had one of those moments. I'll tell you exactly what it was. Um, I'm glad that this guy, I actually saw that come across my feed the other day. I didn't click on it um, because I had to pay for my moment that you had for free on YouTube. And I'll tell you why, but I'll back up a little bit before that. So my first, my first DSLR ever was a Nikon D80. I got a 50, one four, I think at the time it was a cheap Tamron lens, but the first like professional camera I really bought was the Canon 5D Mark III. And out of all the lenses I had options to at that point, which one did I buy? The 50L one too. Of course, same same basic lens you have right now in your Canon OSR, right? Yep. My main purpose was video, wasn't portraits. So I bought a Steadicam at the time. I bought, um, you know. Uh, a monopod and that kind of stuff. And exactly what you're saying, I ran into a lot of difficulty where I was struggling to get images that were sharp because I thought I had to shoot wide open all the time. And much less, a 50 millimeter lens on a glide cam never works. It's very hard to do that. Um, the moment, the second, you know, you get your 16 to 35, the first thing you'll notice is if you try to do, start doing handheld shots of your kids, everything is going to look smoother. Because at a wide focal plane, it's a whole lot more forgiving of shake. So that those little wobbles that you see like on your you know handheld footage now with your 50 disappear on a 16 because it's just wider, there's more to cover. Um, so my same moment that you just had with this guy's video was actually I paid for a Philip Bloom cinematic masterclass course. It was about 200 bucks. Well worth it. I love it to this day. But he actually did that. So he he went from a 10 millimeter all the way to a 400 millimeter um, with a framing of the subject, the same in the photo, but just correspondingly either took steps forwards or backwards from the subject. And while I will argue, um, you know, depth of field versus focal plane could be argued based on your distance away from the subject. What is different is how the subject looks. So if I stand you know, if you're filling up most of the frame, your head's at the top of the frame, your waist at the bottom at a 10 millimeter, your head, your nose is going to look like Pinocchio. And I could probably barely see your ears at that point. If I back up all the way to a 400, same focal plane, it's going to look great. Like the background's going to be busted out. You're not going to see any of it, but you, you know, you're going to be clear. Um, so I think in that moment, yeah, it's a great lesson learned. Like you don't have to shoot everything wide open and to your point, amateurs a lot of times think they have to shoot everything at the lowest focal plane, but they're actually doing themselves a disservice because it's it's so hard at that point to maintain focus. And to your point, back up maybe an extra two, three feet, four feet at the most, stop it down to four or five, and you'll be fine. Yeah, what he said that got me the most, that was when I got hooked on the video, because at first I was like, whatever. Is he goes, okay, yeah, we're going to shoot this pretty wide open at uh, F5.6. And I was like, 5.6? <laughs> <laughs> Who the hell goes that high? Like, 
<laughs> I mean, yeah. I'll go to I'll go from 1.2 to 1.8, occasionally touch like 2.8. Sure. That's it. That's the end of my list. And he's at yeah, 5.6 most... and he's like, "Oh yeah, that's that's way too wide open. Let's come down." And then he's at a and then he goes, "I'll to shoot this at F16 and see what it does." And I'm like, "What? What's happening right like, now? Why are you, yeah. No, these are portraits, guy. Like you're supposed to do that for for landscapes." Right. And, and then I, oh man, and then I watched a whole video on hyperfocal distance and landscapes and I was like, yep, I quit. I, uh, so I, I mean, I get some of it, right? Like I think most wedding photographers shoot on a 35 millimeter for a reason. Like you catch the the story, um, and it's, you can still get in and really catch a beautiful portrait, but you get much more of the field of view in that. But I guess I kind of get why Maddie and Pete just live on a 16 to 35 all the time. Right. Because from vlogging up to just taking a great portrait, like you're you're probably at almost everything you need. Mm-hmm. And then you pop that 70 to 200 in for the portraits and right and move on. It's just interesting because I fast glass, fast glass, fast glass has always been my my dream. Sure. Well, now, like that F1.2 hasn't been on my camera in nearly four weeks. <laughs> yeah. Don't... And you know what it co- comes out for B-roll because it's I mean, it's gorgeous for video. And I'm not afraid of it, but I just, it's not my daily driver. Yeah. The thing I will say, like, don't go too far the other direction. Like, yes, you're buying a 1.2 lens and you're spending 400 more dollars on a 1.2 than 1.4 and $800 more than an F1.8. The glass is better. Yeah. He, he makes that argument. Yeah. He definitely doesn't say cheap out on the glass. Yeah. Like the one thing he is clear about is don't do that. But there's... um you know, Potato Jet and a couple other people, what they do that I really liked is the 16 to 35. They review the F4 to the um, to the F 2.8. Mm-hmm. And they do argue pretty assertively that that is not a money worth spending. Like that's a thousand dollar difference. Mm-hmm. And that that glass isn't better. Like they have the same coating and they're both L lenses. Right. But yeah, I mean, I, I'm not going to buy a non L lens. And right. it's not about buying a cheap nifty 50. Right, but man, it did mess me up. Sure. Oh, oh yeah. Good. Gracious. It warps your brain a little bit, but I think at the end of the day, like, it helps you know that you probably should be shooting at five, six, six, whatever. Yeah. You that guy Miguel, whatever. You should watch that video. That's a. It's really well done because obviously, I mean, his lighting setup alone is just like holy shit. That's a twenty thousand dollar lighting setup. Yeah. But you definitely get like. And he's explaining, like, and if you want to get hair, you do this. And then if you don't, you do this. And you're like, oh, yeah, kill me. So because this podcast is already much longer, but it's our 10th episode. And I think it yeah. deserved a blowout extravaganza. I agree. Uh, I would love to know what your leadership lesson of the month is. Progress and perspective. Um, this kind of alludes to a lot of the references that are made in the Man of the Arena talking about, you know, the person who makes progress is the one that's marred by blood, sweat, and tears. Um, There have been times recently in my job where um, when you're in the middle of the work, often looking out, it looks like, man, you're your own worst critic. Am I ever making any progress? Is things happening? And then you have moments where you get to step, take a step back and measure the work that you've done. And you get to say, holy crap, like the, the progress we've been making is so significant, but I couldn't see it unless I took a step back. 
So in the middle of it, I think the biggest thing I would say, like, try to have the perspective every once in a while to take a step back and not just work in the work, but work on the work. Because it's in those moments you get to really kind of celebrate the success you've had, even though it doesn't feel like it in the moment, because you're so in the arena, so to speak, uh, getting, you know, punched in the face. So, to, you know, if I can say that, take, take time to take a step back and actually track your progress and how you're doing. And it'll give you some really good perspective. Yeah, it's awesome. We were definitely in a conversation today about that same thing of just how do you, how do you bask in it a little bit and spend time really observing it from what's actually happening versus what you think is happening. Uh, so, you know, mine, I, I, I wrote in there about planning. Um, and I, and I, we've talked about this a little bit before, but uh, I was reminded I was spending some time with a new leader and talking about how they set up their, their day and how they set up their time. And this has been a standard practice in my leadership experience. If I go all the way back to about, 14 years ago, maybe 15 years ago, I went to a Franklin Covey class around planning. And my boss took me because I was really, really bad at it. I was really um, quick and I, I could remember a lot of things. And so I did not have any systems to control my crazy. There was nothing there. So I just did. And every day was just a constant surprise of whatever's going to happen. Hmm. And he took me to a Franklin Covey class. And I remember going and thinking, well, this is outdated. These planner things, like I haven't used a plan. I I had a Palm Pilot and then a smartphone. Like who's going to use a planner? Mm-hmm. Um, but you know the Franklin Covey system. That idea of having a calendar, having tasks, having uh, these different ways of capturing what's going on in your life. It's funny. Look at any smartphone right now, and those are apps that are included with your phone mm-hmm. from whatever vendor you buy. And so the ideas aren't new or unique and they haven't gone away, but the system is still really, really good. And so what's interesting is, you know, with every leader that I've ever gotten a chance to serve, we have the same conversation about kind of how do you set up your time and, and do you plan really well and how do you compartmentalize? And there's a million apps to use and I have the ones that I really prefer, but the concepts aren't relevant to the app. You can use a paper planner and get to the same place. It is about these two ideas of like, documenting all the things that you need to accomplish and then taking the time to prioritize each of those items into the ones that are, um, you know, in the Franklin Covey world, the A class ones, which are, you're going to lose your job or your family if you don't do mm-hmm. then the B's, which are like, you got to get these done and the C's, which would be nice to do. Right. And everyone just, everyone thinks everything's an A one. <laughs> and when you really go to that idea of like, well, you're going to get divorced or fired if you don't do it. Yeah. Well, oh, no. Well, then it's not an A one. It's a, Some might say the essential things, right? Yeah, like it, it's probably a B. And it doesn't mean a B can't move into an A, but it doesn't start as one. Sure. Like it gets there because you don't do it. And if you don't pick up the dry cleaning for long enough, you might get you might get divorced. But probably not on day one. Right. That's probably not where that is. And, and it really got me thinking about just life in general this way. And, you know, I think you and I have talked about using your calendar to plan out everything from this to working out to waking up and... It isn't that I want to get to a point where my life is so prescribed that if I don't have my calendar, I can't function. That's not my goal. Mm -hmm. It's not aspirational for me. But I do think stepping back every single month to kind of plan out how you think the month is going to land. And then looking at your calendar and just, and this is something I do with a task manager. I, I categorize each of the tasks, whether it's related to 
kind of my personal growth or whether, well, it is really about those four things I said before in body and being. And, 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 and what's interesting is you get done planning out your month and then you tally it all up and you go, oh, every, everything on here is related to the podcast, hmm. but nothing on here is related to my faith or everything on here is related to work, but none of it's related to my relationship with my wife. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not that they have to be in perfect equality. And back to the initial part of this podcast, like I just believe there has to be a good balance where you look and you can say, man, I, I'm going to feel fulfilled in all the buckets of my life by doing these things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think for any one of us, no matter what you do for a living, where you spend your time, taking time to really plan out your life and, to your own point, to step back and just look at it and say, where am I? Where do I hope to be in the next 30, 60, 90 days? And do I have a plan that actually serves to get me there? Or do I have a plan that's going to cause me just to sit here and still complain about how I'm not where I'm supposed to be? Sure. And it's never felt more real than right now with this silly vlog you've got me doing, because if you don't plan for that, then you won't do it. Sure. But it's also forced me to think, okay, well, what skills do I need to build in the vlog that will serve to do the YouTube video that I really want to do 60 days from now? Yeah. And then, oh, by the way, is this thing that I'm doing actually helping with my relationship? Is it helping with my work? Is it helping with other things in life? Mm -hmm. And so it really challenges me to want to do that stuff. And so, you know, planning has been a topic of our podcast, I think, from the very beginning. But um, I was really reminded of it this this last month with a few new leaders that need that help of like, yeah, I mean, I can give that advice, but I actually need to take it as much as I give it. Sure. And it's really easy to slip out of that habit. And I think April's a really good time because you, you know, you're 90 days past when you started this whole journey and you should be pausing right now to look back and say, all right, well, it's been 90 days. Yeah. Am I on course? Sure. And if not, let's go rewrite the plan so I can get there. And so, you know, I think planning is a really big deal. I don't think it's a topic that people are surprised by. And I don't think it's a topic that's most interesting to a lot of people, but I bet it's one that most people would find deficiency in if they really looked at their life. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think at the end of the day, when we plan, it just is an indication of level of care and intentionality. Um, you know, going back, I don't want to go back to the book too much. I've been reading right now, but like if we don't plan our lives, everybody else will. You know, so in either we can be the one driving and behind the wheel, so to speak, or everybody else and everything else can be. And I think about even like you alluded to this podcast, like we didn't have a regular cadence until we started to plan. So where our our audience members, as they well know, like we're in the dark for six to eight months. And so we were like, we have to set aside time and just plan to do this. So. Well, if we continue to make two and a half hour podcasts, we might have to move it up to more than once a month. Yeah. But uh, I think uh, for a 10th episode, that was a heck of a blowout. 